0: John Barnett here, and welcome to Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, I I have to say that this, you've probably noticed, it took two weeks for me to do this lesson because it was was so much. Uh, Let me just run through the board and show you what Hebrews 11 covers. Hebrews 11, I wrote, is one of the most far-reaching chapters of the Bible. Uh, It covers creation, mentions it, which is Genesis 1 and 2, Talks about Cain and Abel, that's Genesis 3 and 4. Talks about Enoch, Genesis 5. Talks about Noah, that's Genesis 6 through 8 9 and 10. Abraham, 11 to 25. Sarah, 21. Isaac, 22 and 27 of Genesis. Jacob, Joseph, and then we go into Moses and Joshua and Rahab. And I didn't even have room on the blackboard or the whiteboard to write down all the rest. Time would fail me to tell you of Gideon and Barak and Jephthah and Samson, who through faith subdued kingdoms. Hebrews 11 is a massive chapter, but it goes all the way to the return of Christ to heaven. And it talks about the cross and the crucifixion. And it's just an amazing chapter. So let me jump in to, and and some of you, I know this is your first Time jumping into this. Every week that we publish another study, uh, I get notes from you saying, "Well, the one I got today, it says you're the best Christmas present I've ever had. Your channel, uh, I'm I've been watching since Christmas. I don't know if they got a device or if someone pointed them to it, but praise the Lord, welcome aboard. But we're in the 52 greatest chapters. That's what FTGC means." Week 45 of a year-long, 52-week look at the Scriptures. We're looking at the whole Bible. Now, you can see that from my chart over there. Uh, that we're covering the key chapters that that kind of explain and summarize everything else in the Bible. Now, this is my title. And in your journal, which all of us should have a journal, uh, where we work all week long recording. And I'll show you. This is my... Hebrews 11, right there, Hebrews 11, week 45. Uh, Just my scribbled notes from all my work this week. But from our journal, part of what we do is we write down a title and we summarize. So I summarized Hebrews 11 as God's record of, and look at this, Son, you know, not S-U-N, but as in the Son of God, God the Son, Uh, sun-powered lives that made it through the darkest days of human history. And, of course, the key verse that just jumps out of this whole chapter is verse 6 right here. Uh, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he, listen, is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Uh, I did a series... um, Oh, about four years ago, a whole series studying what it means to diligently seek God, and I called it "Hungering for God." Now, at the end of this video, I'll I'll do a little uh, reminder about this. But I called it a life of praying, fasting, and resting. And listen to how I described it because it just so gripped my my mind as I studied the Bible, and I wrote. Ever notice that the believers we read about in the pages of the New Testament, like Hebrews 11, they were amazing. They had peace in stressful times. They had joy in tough times. They had rest in busy times. Would you like to enjoy Christ's promise, peace, joy, and rest? Those gifts and many more flow from the ancient habits or choices that come from hungering for God. Learn how to cultivate hunger for God. This step-by-step guide explains in bite-sized pieces how to cultivate this life of biblical praying, fasting, and and resting that nurtures and overflowed the lives of those early believers. And so basically, uh, this one is the complete series, Hungering for God, the complete audio and text. Now, I don't know if you can see all the way down here. I'll pick them up. But actually, the videos take a lot more room. Now, they're available, uh, all of these are on YouTube somewhere, among the 4,692 videos. But there are actually 30 videos, uh, and they're all in in high resolution on these DVDs. And you could actually, maybe when you finish your 52 Greatest Chapter study, uh, we only have about eight more weeks left, you could start... A Six-month study of how to hunger for God. I just thought I would remind you of that because they've been sitting here See they sit right here by my board and I get comments from many of you saying what is that? Sitting by your eraser and this is the final week. I could tell you about that. So we're looking at As we cover chapter 11 the Old Testament world that was busy distracting and evil We're gonna see that in Hebrews 11 And the world that perished, that's the world that God flooded with Noah, had no time for God and was characterized by restlessness, emptiness, godlessness, and arrogance. Now doesn't that sound like the world that we're living in today? That the Bible warns us about the last days? So here's what Why I got so excited about this week's study, and it it spread into two weeks for me. God the Son wants to power our lives so we, like them, can make it through the darkest days. And the way we do that are these seven lessons that we're going to cover today. Faith is huge to God. Uh, We live in a a world where we want all the details on our cell phones and, and online, and we want charts and everything. God says, I want you to simply believe what I said to you. Now, when I open this, like I did early this morning, starting my day, this book called God's Word, the Bible, as I read it, God spoke to me. Because this is the what? What is this called? The Word of God. So God says, I want you to trust what I'm saying. And he speaks through his word. Number two, God framed the universe from unseen things. God is the creator. And God tells us, that there is nothing that is prehistoric. Uh, let, let me just write that down. There, there is no prehistoric times for Earth. Why? Because we have written down everything that's ever happened from the creation of the earth onward to the ending. Okay? That's why I call this such an important, uh, I call out this idea of creation. Now, God remembers our lives, and uh, that's verse 4. We're going to cover that. Everything we do matters to him. Our lives can please God. God's preparing a place for us. That takes us all the way to heaven. And alluring sins can be resisted by faith. Wow. And finally, God is totally aware of all of our struggles. So let's cover those as we jump into the slides. Okay, as you look at the slide, we're on week 45, chapters, Hebrews 11. It's God's record. Remember, this is an inspired book of the Bible. So this is from God. Every word of it, every word of God is pure. It's inspired. It's breathed out by the Spirit of God, written down by human authors, of sun-powered lives, that make it through the darkest days of human history. Where we are is right here, the heroes of the faith. That's my first time through, that's what I called chapter 11. You can see my title got bigger and longer and everything. And um, So we're on our 45th week and uh, only have 52 weeks, so we're so close to the end. This is what we're doing, especially for those of you that are with us the first time. Uh, we're surveying the whole Bible. So if you stay with us, all 52 lessons, you're going to cover the whole Bible by the 52 greatest chapters or passages. But here's the key. I want you to learn this lifelong habit of the devotional method where you write down your own title after you read the passage. You summarize the whole passage in one sentence. That's what you saw on the board. That's my one of my summaries. Then you keep looking for those lessons. That's what I just showed you, those seven on the sideboard. And then we're gonna end with what we all need to be working toward, a prayer in which we ask the Lord to unleash at least one of those truths or the lessons that you found, not just unleash it around and for your wife or your husband or your kids or your roommates or your friends, but into your life. And that's what we need to do. Now, remember the book of Hebrews is a, a, a one of the big epistles of the New Testament. It's got 13 chapters, see? It goes all the way through Hebrews 13. When I teach this, and and I've taught through every bit of the book of Hebrews in another one of our series, this is the outline. I cover it in 10 classes. So we're basically, this hour, looking at one class, the Heroes of the Faith, Hebrews chapter 11. Now I want you to take you over to my Bible. So look over here at my Bible, and let me get all the way on chapter 11. This is Hebrews 11, book of Hebrews chapter 11. And as I read, um, first of all, I, this is my, before the title, this is my very first summary Live by Faith as a Pilgrim. So the first time I read Hebrews 11, that was my one uh, small, short phrase or sentence summary of the whole chapter. You can see that since I do this each day of the week, I get an awful lot of these uh, because the longer I read it, the more I think about it. Uh, For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. This is the creation um, reminder. Now, look at this. Verse 4, by faith, Abel. Now, see what I wrote in my margin? Can you see it over here? Genesis 4. Now, look up for a second. If you want to get a real challenge, as you're going through Hebrews 11, go back to the, see over here? The creation account is Genesis 1 and 2, Cain and Abel is Genesis 3 and 4. Do you see why we cover the whole Bible in this, in this study? If you just look up all of these verses and read the passage, that's why it took me two weeks, because I did all that. I went back and forth. So look back at my Bible. In Genesis 3 and 4, I read about the faith of Abel and the excellent sacrifice, uh, better than Cain's, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. Now look at this, I underlined it. Though, though, or through it, being dead still speaks. What is that? God says, Abel's life is still speaking a testimony for God. Wow, that's something I want. I want my life after I'm no longer here to keep on speaking for the Lord. And then Enoch is Genesis 5 Uh, Remember, he was translated so he wouldn't see death uh, because he was walking with God. Abel was offering to God. Enoch was walking with God. Noah was obeying God. By faith, Noah being divinely warned, that's covered in Genesis 6 through 8. Um, And then we get into Abraham, Genesis 11 to 20. And I love this. Uh, By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country dwelling in a tent with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city, I love it, the city, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You can tell all these are coming out in my lessons and principles because this is such a rich, I think this should be two weeks uh, instead of one week of the 52 chapter study, but that's okay. Look at this, we get to Genesis 21 then, by faith Sarah receives strength to conceive seed. And then this summary, I love verse 13. You notice I have it underlined and read and boxed and and I wrote in my Bible, I wrote, these all. I mean, God wrote, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Now look at this, are you passing through or parked? Are you a stranger, or at home on earth? See the the essence of the life verse six that pleases God is that we be this pilgrim and stranger. And then on through we get to Genesis twenty two, um, when Abraham offered Isaac. Uh, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. That's Genesis twenty seven. Jacob, when he was dying, uh, blessed all the sons of Joseph. That's covered in Genesis forty eight and forty nine. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, that's Genesis 50. And then uh, onward, I mean, the, the Moses, look at this. That's Exodus 2, and, and I circled the choices Moses made. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter in verse 24. He chose, verse 25, to suffer affliction. Verse 26, he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt for he looked to the reward. Now look up for a second. I want to share something with you cuz my wonderful wife Bonnie and thank you. My wonderful wife Bonnie's sitting over there uh, running the the studio and all these lights and all the tripods and cameras that I forget to look at, you know, I've got too many to to look at. But we watched the National Geographic uh, video of the unearthing of King Tut's tomb and uh, Howard Carter and, and uh, the Downton Abbey, you know, the, the uh, benefactor, Lord Carnivan, uh, as he paid for this. And then when Carter poked through the wall and fished in the camera and they looked in there and the, the candle and it lit it up. And he said all he saw was the glint of gold. And then you know what they told us? They said King Tut was a nobody. He was a teenager. He really hadn't accomplished anything. He, from his, uh, the radiometric data that they did by, by scanning his, his uh, mummy, they said he was a sickly king. Probably never rode a chariot into battle like all of his pictures portrayed, you know, shooting the arrows and everything. So he was like one of the most minor of all the kings. Yet he was surrounded by a ton of gold, a ton of gold and precious jewels and some of the most intricate jewelry and furniture and, and chariot and everything that you could ever imagine. Now look back at my Bible, why I said that. It says, by faith Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ. Do you see why I called my title Son of Powered lives, when they trusted in the Lord who revealed himself, it was God the Son, Christ. He was greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. How many treasures in Egypt? Well, King Tut's tomb, which was, he was a nobody among pharaohs, was so immense, it's boggling to think what the great, powerful Tutmos that was the one that Moses served under, how great his riches were. And Moses said, nope, I'm looking for God's reward. Now keep going here into verse 27. See, I I circled, and this is a way you can study, this is the devotional method. You circle the words that touch your heart and challenge you. He refused, he chose, he esteemed, he looked. He forsook, he endured, and he kept. See what I wrote here? Seven words, testimony of Moses. Moses refused anything but God, chose God's way at any cost, esteemed God better than all the treasures. He looked to God to reward his life. He forsook Egypt as a picture of sin. He endured all the the years and decades of struggles he went through, and he kept the word of the Lord, the Passover. So that's how I do the whole chapter, and you can see all the rest. And uh, we get to Exodus 14, which is the Red Sea event. The Passover is Exodus 12. And then... Uh, Jericho uh, with Joshua, and Rahab is Joshua chapters 2 to 6, and then lots more here. Okay, back to the slides. So that's my Bible. Now here's my journal. And what I do is I I take time to record all these things. So first I wrote all these different titles. This is actually typed out exactly what I have in my written journal. 52 chapter week, 45 Hebrews 11, title... Heroes of the Faith, that was the first day. God Loves Faith and Responds to Faith, that was my second time reading it through. How to Live for God Through the Darkest Days of Human History and Please Him, that was the next one. Then I got the one on the board, The Sun-Powered Lives. So see, the longer you read this in the devotional method, the more deeply it stirs your heart. Then I wrote a summary. This may be the most important chapter for the historic record of human history, given by divine inspiration as God gives us an inspired which means divine view, and then I counted them of 15 men, two women, and some prophets, plus at least 17 historical events that God describes. Now, look over here. This is an expansion. Hebrews 11, and then I wrote all of these down with where they are in Genesis and Exodus and Joshua, and I ran out of space and I said, there's a lot more. Back to the slide. In this chapter... Now, this is important. God affirms the inspired Old Testament record of what? Creation, the fall, Cain and Abel, Enoch's rapture. Yeah. You ever heard of the rapture? There was Enoch's rapture, there was Elijah's rapture, and there's going to be the first Thessalonians chapter 4 rapture of all the church just before the tribulation. And then, the entire earth-covering flood of Noah. How do we know it covered the whole earth? Well, it says it in Genesis, and Jesus said it did in Matthew 24. He said, just like the flood of Noah, you know, overwhelmed the earth with water, so the coming judgment of the tribulation is going to cover the whole earth. Uh, God's choice and call of Abraham, of Ur, then Canaan, his choice of Isaac over Ishmael, by the way, you notice, The secondborn was chosen over the firstborn. Jacob over Esau, same idea, secondborn over firstborn. Joseph sent to Egypt, but God had better plans. Moses in Pharaoh's court, and then we just covered that. The Passover, the crossing, the Red Sea on dry land, it says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. The destruction of Pharaoh's army. Uh, Look up for just a second. A lot of people say, "Wait, wait a minute. Uh, what part of the Red Sea did they cover? And you know, there's all these uh, different videos you can get where they're finding chariot wheels on the floor of the Red Sea that are 3,500 years old. I don't know if any of those things are real, but I do know that God made the, the wet ground dry so the children of Israel walked on dry ground when they crossed what God describes as the Red Sea. Now, uh, the, the Hebrew word Yam Suf could mean the Reed Sea. It could have been just a swamp. You know, I've seen Charlton Heston, and I've seen you know the movie with the fifty-foot-high walls of, and I think uh, there've been more and more you know Moses and the Gods of Egypt. All these movies, okay? The Bible doesn't say exactly where they went through, but it says two things. All of Pharaoh's army was drowned and wiped out by the water. That's one. Two, when the Jew, Jewish people, the children of Israel, walked through, the ground they walked on was dry. Okay? That was a miracle. To dry out instantly the bottom of a pond, a lake, a gully that was swampy with reeds. That's a miracle. Do you know what the bigger miracle is? I've read these Bible, these unbelieving and inspirational liberal Bible commentators that say that they walked through water that was about, you know, ankle deep. Okay, it could have been. And God moved it to the side so that a 100 people wide could walk at a time. That's how big the children of Israel had to walk, about 100 wide and about several miles long to get 3 million of them. But what's amazing is the water that piled up, even if it was only this thick, drowned an entire army on chariots. That's the second miracle. Don't quibble over how deep the water is. Magnify the God who dried the ground and drowned the army. Okay, back to the slides. Uh, uh, Jericho's walls were flattened. Rahab's conversion. uh, And and boy, I, I don't have time to go into that, but if you go back to... To Joshua, God wanted Rahab. That's the whole story that you read there. The exploits of Samson and Samuel and David's life. Look at this. This may be the most far-ranging chapter in the Bible. And it all comes down to faith that pleases God. Remember verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. God wants us to seek him. My third part of my summary. All these heroes of faith struggled. And boy, they did. I mean, Noah got drunk, uh, that whole thing, and, and Joseph, you know, with his uh, kind of egging his brothers on, you know, and Jacob, the deceiver, I mean, Moses, the murderer. But look at this. Not only did they have personal struggles, they had those struggles through some of the worst, darkest, and most dangerous days of human history. How do you make it through dark, horrible, dangerous days? by faith. That's what this whole chapter, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. What's faith? Trusting his word. If we analyze their world and the world each of us live in, we find great similarities. Their world was busy. I mean, they were building pyramids and, you know, all that stuff with Joseph. And when when Abraham went through all the other nations around and the famine, more than time permits in each day. That's what they had, a busy life. That's what busyness is. There's more to do than time permits. It's also distracting. Remember what it said about Moses? He chose rather to choose affliction with the people of God than all the treasures, the distracting, alluring treasures. Many things draw and tug at our minds, trying to get our attention, even today. And that world was also evil. And you know what? There's darkness pressing around our hearts and souls each moment as the last days breathe down upon us. Next, my fourth and final part of my summary, God offers each of us a secret that keeps us powerfully godly in a busy, distracting, and evil world. Living, walking, and serving by simple faith. Taking God at his word. Wow. The question is, are you interested? Are you interested in this powerful, godly, Method God has for us to live for him. God offers a proven technique He's got all these men and women and prophets that that it worked for It's always worked. It works in any time period it any place under any pressure For some it sounds too good to be true But for others, it's even worse than that. For most believers simple faith is too hard to even be considered You know why they're distracted? They're busy with everything but God, distracted by everything around them, and getting infected by this evil world we live in. Well, Hebrews 11 gives us God's secret for living through any period of earth's history, even the worst times. Look up for a second, and I would challenge you. The world that perished had no time for God. You and I are living in a time when most people have endless time for this. They can listen to music, look at their pictures, communicate with their friends, post everything in the world that's going on, play games, and and order and shop and everything else on their personal digital device. But they all say, I just don't have time to read the Bible. Do you know what I like to do? I've, I've practiced this for a long time. You have a choice in life. This morning, I got up, I grabbed my cell phone off its charging cradle, put it in my pocket, and I grabbed the Word of God, and I chose, instead of first seeking first everything in the universe on this digital device, I sought first to hear the voice of God through this, His Word. So you know what? You have a choice every day. You're going to seek first everything but God? Or are you going to seek God first before everything else? Early on, before there were cell phones, do you know what I used to do? I used to put my Bible on the keyboard of my computer. And then when I had a laptop and it was closed, I put my Bible on top of my laptop. Do you know what it was saying? It was a subtle message to me. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. In his righteousness, and then everything else. First, God. Okay, that's what I want to remind you, to have time for God. Okay, back to the uh, slides. Uh, God's secret for living through any period of earth's history, including today, which are the worst of times, is in Hebrews 11. Here are the lessons uh, that that I wrote down in my journal. Faith is huge to God, verses 1 and 2. God framed the universe from nothing, Uh, In other words, creation in Genesis 1 and 2 terms is vital to God, and the Bible tells us Jesus created everything, and uh, that's Colossians 1, John 1, 1 John 1, all talk about Jesus as creator, and right here in Hebrews 11.3, through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. That's vital to God. Number three, God remembers what we offer and our life speaks after we're gone. That's verse four. And what I wrote in my Bible is Abel's life, he was sacrificing for God. Think of Abel. He lived with his flocks. He was seeking the creator of the universe. And when he did what the creator asked for, he died for his testimony. He sacrificed not only a lamb, he sacrificed his own life because His righteous life made his brother angry, and Cain rose up in the field and killed his brother Abel. Our lives can please God. Hebrews 11.5 says that Enoch pleased God by faith, and he walked with God. God always rewards faith, and people might not know about what you have faith in, him and his word, but God knows, and he'll reward it. God wants faith, seeks faith, responds to faith, rewards faith. And we see that illustrated in Enoch's life. Enoch lived in one of the worst times in history. In fact, his description of the time just before the flood is the ungodliest verse in the whole Bible. Now, here, go back to my Bible and look over here. We're in Hebrews. I want to take you to Jude. So go to Revelation and back up one book. Hebrews, Jude. There we go. Now Enoch, right here, let me get my pointer, The seventh from Adam, oh, look what I wrote. There are no gaps in the genealogy. The New Testament says that Enoch was the seventh from the first human. Okay, so God believes in creation and his word is true. Prophesied about these men also saying, and this is the first prophecy in the Bible. This is from the time of Genesis 5. Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. Actually, the Greek is not... The literal word 10,000, it's myriads of his saints, but 10,000 is kind of like the biggest number they could think of. To execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way and the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. That's Jude chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Now look over here at the slide. This is one of the ungodliest verses because four times it says ungodly. But what does it describe? The time just before the flood. It was one of the ungodliest times in history until our time, until the end of days and the Antichrist. And look what Enoch did. He walked with God. Wow. I mean we could just stop right there but let's keep going our world is so much like the world that perished in the flood it's busy distracting and evil life today is busy right more to do than time permits and life today is distracting many things are drawing and tugging at our minds like our digital devices and our fast-paced world and all the media and entertainment and amusements and it's trying to get our attention when god says you know what matthew 6:33, i want you to seek me first i want your attention above everything else life today is also evil there is a darkness that's pressing in around our hearts and our souls every moment as the last days breathe down upon us it's really an evil dark time we live in back to the lessons in my journal my sixth lesson as i read this week each day in fact the last two weeks As I read verses 7, the words of verse 7, Noah feared and obeyed God. He's a hero of the faith because he obeyed God. Then we go to Abraham. He waited for heaven instead of getting all of his, his pleasures here on earth. Abraham, by the way, from when God called him on, always lived in a tent. He never built anything but altars and he never owned anything but a grave. Remember... Abraham waited for God's city. There's two truths to remember about him. Uh, Abraham never owned anything but a grave for Sarah. And number two, he never built anything but altars. That's what a tent dwellers like. He was always on the move, nothing was permanent, why? Because his life was a pilgrim waiting for heaven, waiting for God's city. The eighth lesson I learned is faith strengthens Sarah. Sarah joined the list because she trusted God. So I wrote in my Bible, Noah's life, he obeyed God's plan. Even though the whole world was ending, even though Noah had to work for 100 years building a boat, the whole time his mind was on the Lord. I hope you have time to think about God. Genesis, when you're reading about Cain and Abel and, and go back there and look at Enoch and, and Noah lists four deadly evils that mark the world God destroyed. They were restless, empty, godless, and arrogant. And those are all things we should avoid. The world that perished, the ones that were flooded in Noah's flood, had no time for God. The entire world had come to the dangerously deadly state of having no time for God. God has told us that one of the final stages of terminal cancer for the soul is when humans have no place for their Creator in their hearts and minds or lives. Paul explains this condition in Romans 1. Remember, we already covered that a few weeks back. Because they were not willing to retain God in their minds, God gave them up. Now think, that's very sobering. Do you make time for God? Have you made time for him today? Well, you're watching this video, but are you going to make as a regular habit time to listen to him in his word? Is his word on your mind? Do you seek him daily? Remember, Matthew 4.4 4 says that we're supposed to find the word of God to be more than our necessary food. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word of God. And then it says that we are to, as Matthew 6.33 says, seek first his righteousness. We need to make time for God or we'll be like the world that perished with no time for God. God waited for them. In 1 Peter 3.20, it reminds us that the long-suffering of God waited during the long years of Noah's building the ark, that hundred years. In this age of grace, God is still long-suffering, but the signs of the end times are everywhere. And as we've seen in this series, when we were in Zechariah, when we were in Matthew, uh, in 1 Thessalonians, the, the question remains for us, are we ready to face the future unafraid? Remember, those who are wise walk with God. The first step in any person's walk with God is to believe the gospel. Christ died for your sins. He rose from the dead that you might be saved. He is the ark of safety if you've never trusted in Christ. Why not now? Now, let me show you something because I don't think a lot of people think about this. I don't know if I have any room here. Uh, But let me just show you the ark. This is the ark. I'm not an artist. Okay, there is the ark. The, the distinguishing thing about the ark is right here. It had one door, and it was the only safe place. And the only way that you got inside is God invited. You know, it actually says that when you read, if, if you have time this week, and if you're looking at all those passages and you read about the Ark in Genesis 6 through 8, God says, build one door. And by the way, that door had no, it was not a door that had a handle on it. It says that God closed the door and sealed it and, and that they could not let anybody else in. It was a door that god control and you know what it says in the bible in john 10 you know what jesus said i am the door of salvation i'm the door of the sheepfold i'm the only way you can come to god there's no other way under heaven given among men by which you must be saved other than me jesus said what does that tell us from god's word that the ark was the only place of safety i call it the ark of safety and the ark of safety for us is Jesus Christ. Um, there's only one way in. He is the door. It's the only safe place. Everybody outside the ark were destroyed by the flood. Everybody inside the ark were safe and secure. All the people, the eight souls, and all the animals. Every one of them, it says in Genesis 8 when you read it, that every, every person and animal that went into the ark came out of the ark safely. There were none that were lost in the voyage. That, that didn't make it, that, that died of something. You know, I think about people in this Omicron stage of COVID, and they're just so worried, and it's like they're doing everything to protect their own life. And yes, we should take care of ourselves. But my fate, my life, my, the length of my days is not in the hands of some physician or some pathogen. It's in the hands of God. And he has appointed how long I live. And nothing I can do can extend it or cut it short, okay? Okay that's the ark of safety in christ and god invites us like i just told you jesus offers he's he's the doorway and his arms are open wide and some of you this might be the first time you've ever watched the 52 greatest chapters and and you're still with us and you've never called on the name of the lord jesus christ i hope that you will today if you haven't i hope that you'll trust jesus christ as your ark of safety the one that died on the cross suffering the penalty of your sin, and if you will call out to him and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I, I agree with you. I believe you died on the cross. as the only payment for my sin, and I cry out to you to save me. I call that the A, B, C's of salvation. Agree with God you're a sinner. Believe Christ is the only hope, and cry out to him. And he said, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Back to the slides. If you haven't trusted Christ, why not today? Well, in Abraham's life, he believed God's word. Can you imagine living in a tent and camping for 100 years? That's what he did. From age 75, that's how old he was in Genesis 16, until he died in Genesis 25 at 175, he lived in a tent because he believed God's word. Sarah, she waited for God's timing all those years with no child and then she had the son of God's promise. Well, I found more lessons. God's preparing a place for those who, uh, for all of us who believe. Hebrews 13, it summarizes them. They saw, were assured, embraced, and confessed that they were looking for God's plan in heaven. God tested Abraham to see if he would obey God used the patriarchs through hard and dangerous times just because you, even today, call in the name of the Lord. And I know some of you do. I get notes from you. Um, One man just wrote me and said, hey, I've been in church all my life and I'm in this study and my whole life has changed and my wife thinks I've become a Christian. Well, just because you get saved doesn't make everything perfect around you. They still lived in hard and dangerous times and so do we. They, they had dangerous, troubled, disappointing times with painful, long waits and big sacrifices. But the blessing is that God goes through it with us. We're together as we face life. And alluring sins can be resisted by faith. Moses, who has the most verses in this chapter, seven verses about him to be exact, walked by faith and resisted Egypt to follow God and save God's people. God used Joshua. God wanted Rahab. God's totally aware of all of our struggles. And God has a special promise for us as the chapter ends with. Well, Moses, I wrote in my Bible, he could see God clearly. And when you see God clearly, all the glittering wealth, the power, and the pleasures of this world, like Egypt, didn't dim his view of God. He endured seeing him who's invisible. Rahab, you know what I love about her? She feared God most, more than her culture, and we're living in a time when our lives are out of step with our culture, more than her neighbors. Rahab lived in a time where her neighbors had joined walls next to her, and yet she made a choice that she was going to fear God more than her culture, her neighbors, and the entire life she'd ever known. She embraced and clung to the Lord. And what a testimony that is. Well, we've come to the best part, the application prayer. Let me offer this to the Lord now. And this is my prayer after two weeks of reading this. I just summarized it uh, today into this, this little paragraph. Lord, I want to see you reflected perfectly in Christ. I want to understand your amazing power of creation. I want to offer what pleases you like Abel and walk in simple faith like Enoch. I want to be moved to obey even when the world is going against you like Noah I want to obey like Abraham did as a pilgrim and stranger. I want to trust you like Sarah. I want to confess you like all of them did and offer like Abraham and bless like Jacob and instruct my family like Joseph did and refuse sin like Moses and trust you like Rahab. I want to stay faithful like the rest of them. I want to believe and follow and obey and see you at work in my life. And I want you working through me like you worked through Joshua. And not even be named. You notice Joshua's name's not in Hebrews 11. It just says uh, that, that he obeyed God, but it doesn't say his name. So that you get all the credit. And that's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I have two final challenges before I summarize this lesson on the boards. Number one, I say this every week, and I'm reading your comments, and I know you're doing it. Find someone. Don't go through this class alone. Find someone at work or at school or in your home or on your hall or in your dorm or at wherever your neighborhood that you can share your findings and just be so animated and exciting, excited about this that they'll just say, well, sure, I want to know about it. And before long, when they see God changing you, they might want to join your study. And finally, pray for us. Uh, Bonnie and I just finished our 2022 plan uh, we have so much before us. We we serve, I just taught um, in the Asia-Pacific region, a conference there, but our ministry is in sub saharan Africa, in the Muslim world, in the Middle East, in Central Europe. Uh, we work with the refugees. Uh, we work in, in East Asia, but much of it uh, during this COVID time has been online classes, but we're actually getting back on the road, and we're going to uh, leave in just about, Six weeks for three more months traveling. This is my wonderful wife, Bonnie. And uh, this is me feeling all the years that's gone by. And we're saying, pray for us as we equip and mobilize the least reached peoples of Asia, Europe, and Africa through next generation students. Okay, look up and I'll go through all the stuff that's written on the board. You're starting into Hebrews 11, which is one of the monumental chapters of the Bible. Remember, there's no prehistoric times for Earth uh, because God has written down history. It's God's record of sun powered, that's the Son of God, Lord Jesus, who made it through the darkest days, which are so much like our times busy, distracting, and evil. And the world that perished had no time for God. We need to make time for God, which is going to be what you seek first. Everything. Else or God, okay? And here are the lessons, and this is what I pray and what Bonnie's praying God does in your heart this week as you take your journal and take notes, as you read through each day Hebrews 11 and write these down. Faith is huge with God, so it should be big in our lives. God framed the universe from unseen things. I am a literal creationist, that God did what He says that in six literal solar days, how do I know that? Because he told Moses in the Ten Commandments, that as God created the world in six days and rested the seventh, you should work in Egypt doing all of your work and in the, the wilderness wanderings and when you get to Israel. Work for six days and rest the what? Seventh. You know what he said there? I created the whole universe in six solar days like you're experiencing now. God remembers our life, so even if no one else does, he does. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing your labor is not in vain in the Lord. No one may see that gospel track that you share with someone. No no one may see the work you do at the church, at the nursery, teaching Sunday school, singing in the choir, sharing the gospel and people mock you. No one but God. And he remembers. Our lives can please God. Did you know? I got up this morning and I said, Lord, I just want to please you today. That's a great way to start. I step into that circle. I say, I surrender to you. I want my life to please you. God's preparing a place for us. Don't spend your whole life trying to build a dream house. Send materials, building materials, to heaven. Alluring sins can be resisted by faith. Moses had before him the opportunity to live in pleasure and decadence and everything else. And he said, no, because I seek God and I want to seek him first. That's how faith can give us the strength, the grace to deny ungodliness. And finally, God is totally aware of all the struggles we're going through. He's totally acquainted with them. Hebrews 2 says Jesus uh, totally understands our temptations. And he says just reach out to me so my prayer is you'll reach out to god this week in hebrews chapter 11. without faith it's impossible to please him but god is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him and that's why as i said if you want to deepen your understanding i spent an entire year teaching these 30 weeks of classes hungering for god should be the hallmark of our life have a great week see you back next week thanks for going through the bible with us